This is a recording made in the chapel of the open book at our Wednesday dinner hour service, and we are still considering the teaching of the scripture under the heading all of one, which we borrow, as you remember, from Hebrews chapter 2. That he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. <coughs> I want to come now and step down the ladder, as it were, in the callings, because there are different callings in scripture, but they're all redeemed by the same Christ, and they all have one goal in front of them, unity. Let me remind you, we take the words from Ephesians, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And the church there is the body, and Christ is the head, there's a oneness. The Apostle Paul himself said, The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Well, that's unity. And then we have in John Jesus having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them unto the end and said, Father, I pray that those that thou hast given me out of the world may be one, even as we are one. And then we come to the great John 3.16, God so loved the world and gave his only begotten Son. And the world, or any out of the world, that believe the whosoever gospel, they're going to be one. Well, we're going to look at that today. John's Gospel, chapter 10. There are different modes and ways in which this unity is expressed, but the underlying fact is a blessed one for us all, isn't it? John 10. Now, if you notice, run your eye down the first few verses of John 10, down to um, verse 5, the Saviour is speaking about a sheepfold, and a robber, and a door, and the porter opening, and the sheep know his voice, a stranger will they not follow. And then it says in verse 6, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not the things which he spoke. Now isn't it extraordinary? <coughs> I mean, you, you go say up in the mining district somewhere in, in <coughs> North England, and you speak about the coal face, and the steep, and the, all the depth, and all the various things. They're looking at you with open mouth and say, Is it, what's the matter? Well, these men looked at the Lord and said, Well, we know all that. We know all about sheep and shepherd and door and fold and robbers. What's the idea? Oh, I see. It's a parable. Now he goes all over again and he slips two little words in. He says, I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Oh, I see. Don't you see, in the first part of it, he's telling them something they know so well that they didn't realise what a picture it was of the Redeemer and his people. So he goes all over again now, very lovingly, very kindly, and slips those words in that make all the difference. Why? That's what the Bible does, isn't it? We read something in the Scriptures, we just wonder why on earth it's put there, and then presently we turn up something that makes it, oh, of course, it's a, it's a picture of Christ in some one of his many aspects. So, if we learn nothing more at this dinner hour meeting, go away and say, give me grace, Lord, that I do not put the words where they don't belong, but give me grace to be able to put them in where they do belong. And I believe if you write in your Bible the word I am, you won't find you'll get very many verses in Genesis 1. And you won't get very, very many verses when you get to the book of the Revelation where he doesn't fit it. Isn't it a glorious thought that it's true of our salvation, our preservation, and our hope of glory? Supposing that I am could be removed. 
Well, it's an 80, it's an 80 set of words. And we are, as the scripture says, of all men most miserable if that isn't true. So we look again at his exposition now of the parable. It's good to know, to go to the Lord like these disciples did, you remember. They said, explain unto us the parable of the sower. Because again he was dealing with things they knew so well. Every village was surrounded by land that was common. And one person had a good patch and one had a pathway through it and one was all stony grounds. Oh, they knew all about that. So he had to explain the field is the world, the sower is the son of man and so on, you see. But so don't be diffident. If there's something in the scripture that baffles you, it's only been written, written that you may go to him and ask him so that he may tell you. If it was all plain sailing, we could do without God, couldn't we? But he hasn't written his book like that. It's the lead us ever and only always to Christ as the interpreter. His very name is the word. No man hath seen God at any time but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He hath given him an exegesis. An exegesis is a rather highbrow word for what I'm trying to do in these few minutes here. Open up the book <coughs> and make it speak. So now let's look and see what he said. Verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily. You know, quite a number of his statements are recorded in John with that double Amen. It's just the two words there in the original. Amen. Amen. A very solemn introduction. Paul uses somewhat similar in more than one passage. This is a true and faithful saying. Amen. Amen. I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Well, this is marching entirely with what he's going to say presently in chapter 14. I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the door. No man enters and no man leaves apart from me. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. And I, I dare say you know the old story's been repeated many times, that the visit of the Palestine somewhat, I suppose about a century ago, when it was not so up to date, he was being taken round and he saw the sheepfold, a square uh, enclosure, with a gap in the middle of it. And uh, they told him the sheep were folded there for protection at night time. But just a, a hole in the wall. And he said to the shepherd, well, where's the door? And apparently that shepherd, without knowing he was quoting New Testament, who oh, he says, I am the door, I sleep there at night time. Now the Lord knew that, you see. So it's not a, a figure that we've got to argue about with hinges and locks. I am the door. There's no entry in, but blessed be God, there's no turning out. And there's no possibility of the enemy getting past. We've got a perfect, safe door there. So there's one thing in the parable we may remember. Then we come down to verse 11. I am the good shepherd. So not only is the door, but he's the shepherd. And the good shepherd is marked by the fact that he gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling, the difference between the good shepherd whose own the sheep are, and the hireling whose own the sheep are not. See, Jesus loved his own. Chapter 1, he came to his own. And here are his own. Marvellous thought to think that you and I can lift up our eyes to heaven and say, I am his, and he is mine forever and forever, his own. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, 
and scatters the sheep. Notice that word catch. The next time it occurs in this same chapter, it is in verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's the same word as the word snap, the catch. I don't think you could perhaps say, neither shall any man catch them out of my hand, because it wouldn't quite fit. Same word though. So if there's a hireling, that glorious protection is not there. But if you went on to the good shepherd, he's given this guarantee. What is the guarantee? My father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I, are you waiting for it friends? There's a oneness coming. I and my father are one. Now you can lift that verse out and have a ding-dong argument about the deity of Christ and the Trinity and I don't know what. Nothing to do with it. None shall pluck them out of my hand, said the shepherd, and none shall pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one over that. Never mind about the Trinity and the deity and all that. Just the one fact that he came to do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father was that none should perish and none be plucked out of his hand if they belong to this good shepherd who gives his life to the sheep. And you'll see the giving of his life was a part of the oneness between the two. Verse 17 Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. So I do that, said Christ. No man taketh it from me but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. Up to the moment, it's I all the time. But now he brings the Father into it. This commandment have I received of my Father. So I lift out from the words, the blessed words of Genesis 22, when Abraham with a disturbed heart and Isaac wondering what it all about, were going on that journey up the mountain carrying the wood and the knife and the fire. Isaac said to his father, Father, here's the wood, but where is the lamb? for an offering. My son, God will provide himself a lamb. And they went, both of them, together. Here's a oneness that goes beyond all the onenesses that we're trying to talk about. If Christ and the Father were not absolutely at one with regard to the purpose and the method and the provision and the goal, well, it would be lovely words, but empty. So, there's I've jumped over the oneness you may have thought I was going to speak about in the, this chapter to emphasize the oneness that makes it possible. But as our time is running out, we'll go now to verse 16. He says in verse 15, As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. So there was absolute uh, uh, fellowship and harmony with regard to their knowledge, his commandment and the purpose. I lay down my life for the sheep. Then he says, and other sheep I have. Now you remember in John, in Matthew the 10th chapter, when the twelve apostles were appointed, he sent them out. He said, go not into the way of the Gentiles, or into any way of the Samaritans, or city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There was a limitation there. But John, when he wrote his gospel, a long while afterwards, he said, you see, that was true at that time. 
But now I can tell you that he also said, Other sheep I have, I've not forgotten them, and in God's good time the other sheep will be going to be called. Here are the other sheep. And it says they're not of this fold. They didn't belong to Judah or to Israel. They were not descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And there are other sheep, do you remember them, South Down or Welsh Mutton, there's all sorts of sheep, and some of them, you know, if you saw some sheep uh, specially selected, you'd hardly believe they all belong to the same genus. Some of them look like young elephants in comparison with other little ones. Some are black and some are white and some are ragged and some are nice and so on. And uh, I dare say they've got a different dialect. I dare say some sheep rather criticise the other sheep because they've got rather a, a, a tang about their bar. Oh yes, but they're all the sheep that the Lord loved. And he came to seek and to save that which was lost. So he says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. Them also I must bring. Here is the whosoever gospel of John. Go ye to all the world, the other sheep. Or God so loved the world, the other sheep. And they shall hear my voice. The one characteristic of the sheep is that they hear the voice of the shepherd. You remember he drew attention to that. He says in verse 3, The sheep hear his voice. And he called his own sheep by name and leaded them out. And those who are visiting Palestine say that's still true. That the shepherd calls his sheep by name and they respond. And uh, a lady who has only just recently died, who had great fellowship with us, Miss Bath, she was out in Jerusalem and Palestine and experimented and, and found it was true. That somebody standing there tried his utmost to imitate the, sheep, the shepherd. The inflection of his voice and the way he called and the sheep went on never took a slightest notice of him. And then he said apparently the same thing and out trotted one of these sheep to him. One of the greatest outstanding characteristics of the child of God is that he hears his voice. He hears his voice. Somebody else is reading the Bible that you're reading and he doesn't know the Lord as his Redeemer and he's reading like Hamlet says, words, words, words. But if you are reading it and you know him and you've loved him and, he be, and you're, he's your Redeemer, you slip the I am in. And all the time as the word of God is being read, it's not what Moses said or Isaiah said or Matthew said or Paul said. It's the shepherd speaking and you hear his voice coming through the words that's written for our learning. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. It wouldn't be a bad plan to go through John's Gospel and underline a few of the musts. Must. <laughs> There's one or two of them that are important. And they shall hear my voice. And there shall be, now our version says there shall be one fold. Now it's a great pity if there are two distinct Greek words or Hebrew words in a verse that you obliterate that distinction. The revised version alters it to the word flock, and so does the uh, present version that we've just been uh, put on the market. Flock. There's a difference between a fold and a flock. The flock is the whole company of sheep, wherever they come from, and the fold is that which belongs to them individually, as say, small sheep or big sheep or black sheep or whatnot. And one day at long last, all the distinctions are going to be broken down. And there's going to be one flock and one shepherd over the wall. So once again, you see, 
we've been sort of thinking about the same thing, this emphasis upon the fact that one of the outstanding consequences of revealing love is all divisions at long last gone, except the right division of one calling and another. Heaven, heavenly places, New Jerusalem, the earth, whenever they're going to be obliterated, I don't know, don't ask me, I haven't got private information. But apart from those distinctions, there's one thing that leads them all together. Whether on earth, heavenly Jerusalem or far above all, it's empty sounding, as it were, the Apostle says about a loveless witness, sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. But if the I am can step in your calling and mind, whether we're sheep on the earth or whether we're far above all principalities and powers, we'll be able to take up that glorious song and sing perhaps. I'm not criticising our manner of singing down here, friends, because I try to join in, but in a nobler, sweeter song, we'll sing his power to save when that day comes, and we'll say, in a sense that we cannot even enter into now, my beloved is mine, and I is.